One of the stories I've been fascinated with lately, and you may have heard me share it because I love it, uh, is the story of Louis von Ahn. And Louis von Ahn is a computer guy who deals with computer and human interaction. Doesn't that sound like an exciting job? And so um, they had an issue on a computer because when you go on the internet, um, the computer has no way to recognize that you're a human. And so hackers and other people that would like to do things that we would like them not to do set up programs that they can do things in milliseconds over and over and over again to get around systems. And so somehow they had to come up with the, a system for saying, how, are you, how do we recognize you as a human? So Louis von Ahn and his, his team um, set up and created CAPTCHAs. And I don't know, many of you may have seen the CAPTCHA. It's just a distorted view of numbers or letters. Oftentimes it's a word. And Louis von Ahn and, and his team developed this because computers are not at the point technologically where they can recognize things like that. And so it proves ultimately that you're a human which is kind of a cool job description. I'm, I'm designing software to prove that people are human. It's kind of an existential kind of thing. Um, but basically, um, I heard about Louis Vaughn on a while ago and the story was a couple years old. Back when he was doing a TED talk, he said that there are 200 million CAPTCHAs typed each day. 200 million. Now, if you've been on the internet, the odds are you've seen one. But, and so he's a really funny guy too, and he said, you know, so I was real proud that, you know, 200 million times a day, somebody is using my stuff. And then he realized, well, the average time it takes to type in a CAPTCHA is 10 seconds. And then he was really sad, because he goes, with that, I, we are wasting 500,000 hours every day typing CAPTCHAs. So then he was all depressed, because he said, well, you know, what is the deal there? So then, I'm gonna talk a little bit about wiring today. Um, the way God created us. And so God created guys like Louis Von Ahn then to have the next question of, what could I do with those 10 seconds? What big thing could I break down into 10-second increments and have that work? Now, if people are coming to Mike Brinkman and asking that, I'm giving him one of these. <laughs> I don't even understand the question. 10 seconds, I, I don't get it. But he sat down and he said with his team and said, well, how do we use 10 seconds? So he thought, well, you know what? I wonder if we could use that to digitize books. Well, of course you can. And so basically they take old books that don't have an electronic copy, and I'm sure this is how they work. It just slap it on a copier. We have one in the office. You just slap it on the copier, copies it. And then they have computer programs. That was a joke, by the way. They don't do it that way, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but they have computer programs that go through, and then they recognize the words and electronically digitize that copy. Now, the problem is the computer can only recognize 70% of the words because it has the same problem with the CAPTCHA. And so he said, well, what, if, what, do we, what can we do with those 10 seconds to recognize the other 30% and digitize that 30% of the book that the computer doesn't automatically recognize? So he came up with a thing called reCAPTCHA, which is two of them. And so you may have noticed now sometimes you have two different things. So this one is morning outlooks, overlooks, sorry morning overlooks, um, but one of those words is something that the computer knows. So we'll use morning this, today. Um, so the computer knows that it's morning, and then it goes to this digitized book where it doesn't know what that word is. It picks up that word and puts it on the other one. So overlooks is a word that the computer doesn't recognize. And so when you type in morning, if you get that accurate, because it knows what morning is, then the odds of you typing in the next one are pretty significant typing it incorrectly. Plus, they can compare it to like hundreds of people in milliseconds and say, yeah, 99.9% .9 said that's overlooks. That's the word we're going to go with. 
So then they take that word, put it back in the digitized books, and then they know what that word is. And the next person that goes on a recapture picks up that word, another word they don't know, and pops it in there. And so it's just an incredibly um, complex and yet incredibly simple thing to use 10-second increments to do incredibly complex things. And so if you go on Ticketmaster, if you go on Facebook, if you go on lots of websites, you'll be doing a recapture. And so using this technique, again, this was years ago, I'm sure it's more by this time, they were digitizing about 100 million words a day out of digitized books where a computer didn't recognize the word. 2.5 million books a year simply by using recaptcha, one word at a time. And then the, the stat that blows me away, 750 million unique individuals had helped digitize a book at that point. So about 10% of the world's population has used a recaptcha, helps digitize books. In, unique individuals, not just that number have gone on there. And so it's a fascinating thing about you know, the way God has wired people and the differences, and, and he's incredibly gifted, obviously. So why am I telling you about Louis Vaughn? Well, I'll get to that. Because today we're going to talk about kindness. And there's a lot of kindness that happens in everyday life that's simply people being nice to each other. And today we want, I want to talk about the type of kindness that comes as a result of a relationship with God that's real and dynamic and really changes lives. We're in a series on fruit of the Spirit that we're calling Good Neighbor. And so basically as you think, what, what does it look like as somebody's a good neighbor? It's somebody that has the love and joy and peace, patience, kindness um, of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've been on that series uh, for a few weeks. We'll continue on that series for a few more weeks. But today we're going to talk about kindness. And so I looked up kindness, and it says, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. A kind act. So everybody just go be generous, considerate, and friendly, and do some kind acts, and we're good to go. It's a pretty short sermon. (laughs) It's not really a short sermon. That's a joke as well. Um, And so part of that is, isn't kindness kind of you know it when you see it? So why is God calling us to use that as a fruit of the Spirit? And So I was kind of unsatisfied with that definition, so I looked in the Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Bible Theology. I think that internet thing's going to catch on one of these days. Um, And kindness there says, an attribute of God and quality desirable, but not consistently found in humans. And I wasn't sure if that was a rip on humans or he just is very matter of fact. It's not commonly found in humans. Because kindness, again, is one of those things we kind of know it when we see it. So as we consider kindness, I want to talk about a couple foundational thoughts that are important, I think, in understanding human interaction. How we relate to each other, how we interact with each other. Because the Bible tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that we are knit together in our mother's womb. And I can't read these verses without acknowledging that God is an intentional creator and a creative creator. And exhibit one, Louis Vaughn. I believe God created him to have a mind that works like that. That's a different mind than my mind works. The beauty is, it's also a different mind than, than you guys. And so God created each of us uniquely to do some really cool things. And so I think it's really easy in a culture to say, boy, that, but that's more impressive. I mean, come on. It's, you know, we're talking 200 million people, 10% of the population. Sure it is. Except God wired him to do that. And I have no idea about Louis Van Aan's spiritual faith. I've pretty much told you everything I know about Louis Van Aan already this morning. Um, so I don't have any idea about his faith or where he's at with God. But I do am a firm believer that God created us 
he, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, we're knit together in a mother's womb. He knit together Louis von Ahn to be able to solve those problems. He did not knit me together to solve those kind of problems. He knit me together to do some other things. He knit you together to do some other things. And so each of us kind of comes from this unique place that is amazing and incredibly unique. And yet sometimes we look and say, okay, so everybody be kind. Well, don't we come at that from a different starting point? I firmly believe that who God made you to be, how he wired you, and the experiences you've had will affect how we view and share kindness. Because some people are far, far more just kind than others. It wouldn't take us very long, and I could walk around and ask each of you, and most of us could come up with a person that's just really kind because they're just really kind. And so some people are like that. Some of us, it's a little more counterintuitive or countercultural. Why should I be kind? Do you know how many times people have ripped me off? Those experiences that we have. Or if we grew up in a family that was really kind, maybe we learned that that's a value, and that's just what kind of something we do. So our starting point from kindness, I think, is important. Because when God says, come, be kind, some people that's easy, some people that's incredibly difficult. And so not everybody is wired the same. And I'm going to use outreach as, a, as an example. Not everybody is wired to be a missionary. Not everybody can uh, do the countercultural thing or the cross-cultural thing, all of those things, and understand how God is speaking to people across the world. And yet, if you look in, our, um, in the weekly this morning, there are several announcements related to outreach. So there is a group of people that are having a garage sale in Plymouth, a group of middle to upper class Americans having a garage sale in Plymouth to support a small village, which is really a suburb of Lima, but it's a village, um, a small village that's built on a landfill. Why are we both doing that? Well, we want to be kind to them. But why? What, where, how does that fit together? Well, I'll tell you, those middle to upper class Americans have gone down to Lima, Peru to visit Dave and Gina Stavros, do some stuff with their ministry down there, who are missionaries to, to this village. And I really struggled with that the first time we went, because I asked, okay, how do I tell people about uh, Flores de Villa as the village? And they said, well, it's a village built on a dump. Yeah, that's not really politically correct. I can't go to their house and say, so your house is built on a dump. And yet, that's what they say. That's the terms they use. So we soften it and call it a landfill for our politically correct friends in the weekly. Um, but th they literally, it was a landfill. They put a little dirt on top, probably not a lot of dirt on top. And then in the middle of the night, thousands of people went, moved in, set up boxes and, and wood shelters and said, this is where we're going to live. And for years, Dave and Gina have been working through that. Well, what happens is some of the rest of us go down and visit Peru, and we walk into their lives. And we experience the pain that some of them are going through with their poverty. And we experience the joy that many of them are having when they experience God. And we can see the changed lives that God is doing in that. And that changes who we are. Because we've stepped into their lives, recognized their lives, and experienced a little bit of their life, and oftentimes, more often than not, that motivates us for kindness or for some action. And so we have people up here doing a garage sale. Um, there's also a store in Medina, Minnesota, downtown Medina. How many of you have never been to downtown Medina? Oh, most of you. Excellent. I, I, until recently, I had no idea where downtown Medina was, and we've, I've been here a while. There's a little store called Art to Heart, 
And what they do is they take art projects, craft projects, and sell it um, from around the world. And one of the places is Lima. And so my wife and Delana and I went down there recently and went down to Lima, and we had to bring spools of wire because they couldn't quite get the quality that they wanted. These spools were like this big, and they just weighed a ton. It almost threw off our luggage weight at that point. We were struggling with, how are we going to take all this wire down there? And, you know, you get on a plane and go, yeah, we just have several spools of wire. It's, just keep moving. This is not a problem. <laughs> There's nothing to see. It's just spools of wire. And we took wire and craft supplies that they couldn't get down there. And my wife and I stood in a, in a house on a, built on a landfill with a woman who's a paraplegic, who could barely move, who would sit in her bed and took those supplies, made crafts, sent them back to downtown Medina, sold those, and that's how she funded some of her life. Why do people do that? Because they step into that. I'm standing in this little house going, this is life-changing for this woman. The fact that we brought this little bit of craft supplies on our way to Machu Picchu, we're spending thousands of dollars on a vacation, I might add, and we're handing out little craft supplies so that she can live. It changes who you are. It, that experience brings you to the point of saying, boy, me, I should... It, it, it attracts kindness to that situation. We see other things. There's also a trip to Ethiopia meeting today. Um, there's a, several people going to Ethiopia to, and they're going to um, buy some sewing machines, hand those out, and those people can then do business through using their sewing machine and develop a, a living. They are also passing out um, Bible studies and things called from uh, Community Bible Study International, where Community Bible Study is passing out, and they're hoping to revolutionize the spiritual dynamic of Ethiopia through these Bible studies. There are people from our church doing that, just a few months. If you look in, they're, they're also selling Colorado peaches this morning. If you haven't had the Colorado peaches, they're fabulous. And so I encourage you, um, buy early, buy often, because you only get a couple weeks now, and then they show up magically at the end of August, September, and they're fabulous. Why are we selling peaches? Well, we're supporting a, a mobile home community that Brian and Jill Dajewski work with and several others, and this is a way we can fund their ministry. Why do we do that? Because we've walked in and we've seen people's lives, seen God use the ministry that we can have in a place just up the street and change lives. And our experiences draw us to be kind to that experience. Now, I have that kindness view of Peru. I have no such dynamic in Ethiopia. When they talk about Ethiopia, it's just this far-off Africa thing. And not that I don't like Ethiopia or I don't pray for Ethiopia or any of those things. I just don't have the spirit of kindness and gentleness and, and that fruit of the spirit there because I haven't experienced some of what God is doing through that. And so it's more than being nice to people. Some of you are taught that way. Some of you have always kind of been kind. Some of you grew up and benefited from kindness. But a lot of that comes from the experiences we grew with. And so... Um, from that, I want to challenge you with three, or three takeaways. Because who we are and what we have experienced is a, is a unique thing that, it's a unique starting point for us. And so as we start at a different starting point, we also have different foundational things like where the environment we're doing that is different. We oftentimes, once a year, we'll have Teen Challenge Choir come here. Teen Challenge works with people who are addicted to alcohol and drugs. 
If we see people from Teen Challenge out on the street, addicted to alcohol and drugs, we have less tendency to be kind to that same exact person than if they're standing here on these steps telling about how God changed their lives. And then we take an offering for them and we give them thousands of dollars. Because the kindness pours out. Because we see stories of who they are in their life. And so not only are we wired and we have experiences like that, we also situationally affect some of the kindness. And so some of that comes naturally, but the kindness that God is talking about as a fruit of the Spirit is that supernatural kindness that comes from experiencing Him. And so we want to look at a number of Bible verses this morning as we talk about um, what does kindness look like. And the first takeaway I would encourage you to think about is kindness and community. We oftentimes live, we live in America in a, in a very individualized culture that says, yep, God died for me and therefore I'm in good shape. And we'll let everybody else worry about them. God has blessed me in this way and so I'm going to hold on to that stuff. I'm not going to see myself as a, as a holder of God's blessing to pass on to other people. That often is a challenge in our culture. That often is a challenge just because we're sinful people and we um, struggle with that. And so we see verses, though, in, in, uh, starting in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, and then 19 through 22, that talk about kindness in community. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God was kind to us when he sent Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. You talk about wiring and God making us, we are God's handiwork that he gave his kindness to us through Christ. We're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if we jump down to verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ himself, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Do you see the community in there? God says, I love you enough that I gave you the kindness of sending Jesus because you are my handiwork. And now we're fellow citizens, we're body working together. Christ Jesus is that cornerstone for a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And I would venture to suggest that any understanding of biblical kindness has to start with God's kindness as he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us who we are. He allowed the experiences that we had to bring us to this point of serving him and experiencing him. We see some of that in Titus as well. Titus 3, 4 through 8. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and regeneration by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. 
This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Do you see the community in there? These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And he throws in that we, that we might become heirs. Heirs are people that inherit the value and all the blessings of the people that they are heirs to. If we're heirs to God, then we understand and we, we inherit all of what God has. And we do that together. And there's a couple big theological words like sanctification and regeneration that I'm not going to have time to spend today. In. But basically the idea is, we oftentimes as Christians in America get stuck with, we have accepted Christ as our Savior. We lo- know that Jesus died for us. We know that God was kind to us and sent Jesus, so I'm good to go. And someday, I'm going to experience heaven. Well, God's rela- a relationship with God, I want to challenge you, is more than just, hey, I'm good to go right here. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's walking alongside and experiencing God so intently and so intimately that instead of kindness being an act that we do, it becomes an act that we can hardly not do. It becomes an ingrained thing in who we are. It's just a response to the experience we've had of being with Jesus. And so that little step, that little thing that looks like me just walking from, yep, we're stuck here and we're kind of good, to, hey, over here, we're living like Jesus, is a lifelong challenge. It's a lifelong experience of being intimate with God, feeling that kindness from him, understanding the dynamic of us being heirs, understanding the fact that we're God's handiwork. All of those things come from that sanctification, that regeneration, those big theological terms that just talk about we're moving from who we are originally to where God has, what God has in store for us. And Brene Brown, who's a shame researcher and one of my favorite authors, says, um, talks about the reality that our, our default self is not always our most beautiful self. I love that phrase. Because our default self, even if we've resected Christ, is oftentimes, yeah, I'm going to be kind to the people that I know and the people that are like me and those other people that are different than me. Somebody else can take care of them. Because I'm good to go. I have Jesus and someday I'm going to get to heaven. Our default self is not our most beautiful self. And too often of time, we miss the fact that God's work in our lives calls us to be more loving and kind than comes naturally to us. It's not about our default self. If you're kind, to, if you're kind of a, sort of a kind person, that has been a challenge all this time. I, I can't do the kind of kindness. But if you're the sort of person that's kind naturally, then that's oftentimes your default self. And it's easy to say, yeah, I'm kind, no problem. But that's not the kindness that God is talking about, I don't think, of walking alongside of him and the fruit that just comes out of that relationship with him. Because God's not talking about behavior modification. This is not just going out of here and being more nice. It is walking alongside, understanding who God created us to be, the kindness that he did for us by sending his son Jesus, by giving us the Holy Spirit. It's the whole deal working together for us to get to the point where the fruit of the Spirit comes out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And Dallas Willard, who's a theologian, and I really like some of his stuff, and he has a kind of a fun way of writing sometimes because I think it's very direct and practical, and that resonates with me as a person. Dallas Willard said, Spiritual formation, 
And so this whole regeneration, um, and the other word I'm stuck with, sanctification, thank you. Um, the spiritual formation is the process of reshaping and developing the inner dimension of the self. So we have an inner dimension of who we are. It's reshaping and redeveloping the inner dimension of the self until it has, to a substantial degree, the character of the interdimension of Jesus himself. So it takes our interdimension and reshapes it through God, through the Holy Spirit, through his love, through his working in our life, that it becomes almost the inner dimension of Jesus himself. And then I love this phrase. Of course, this is a process to which the agency of the Holy Spirit is indispensable. You think? Because too often we, especially even as Americans, say, we're good to go. We're, I, you know, nobody's given me anything, or when they gave me stuff, now I'm arrived, I don't need anybody else. The Holy Spirit is indispensable in that process. We, if we are going to have the fruit of the Spirit, that love and joy and peace, patience, kindness that comes out of us naturally, we have to have the Holy Spirit working in our life. We have to be open to him. Uh, you saw in one of the slides just quickly in the verse where it's um, in the song where First uh, Thessalonians, I won't have that on the slide, but it says, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. That's really difficult, not paying back wrong for wrong, until you've gotten to the point of realizing God gave us the kindness of Jesus, even when we were wrong even when we are stuck in our sins and transgressions. And we don't have the time this morning to talk about how that interacts with poverty and some of the uh, examples that Jesus had, but you can look at Jesus showed up with the poor people, he showed up with the sinners, he showed up with prostitutes, he showed up with the, the people that were scorned for the society and said, I love you. Kids, he said, come to me. And so, but we do see verses like Proverbs 14, 20 through 21, and then verse 31, the poor are shunned by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. That sounds pretty important to me. And yet so often we stand over here in our society and our culture and say, yeah, I don't know what to do with the needy. I don't know how to show kindness to them. And my encouragement to you is walk into their life. You're not going to understand the challenges, of teen, the challenges of Teen Challenge unless you're spending time with them. We have people that are mentoring people at Teen Challenge, mentoring people at um, Freedom Works, so people that are coming out of uh, prison ministry. Uh, just to, to spend time knowing and understanding that's what they look like. When you go to Peru, you get the idea of, oh, this is what living in a garbage dump looks like. When you go to Ethiopia, you understand that dynamic. And so I want to encourage you today, as we're looking for kindness, sometimes we have to step into people's lives, understand their pain, feel their pain, make a little bit of that our personhood, because our tendency is to protect. It's build up that wall. I don't want anything to come in. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I just want to keep the stuff I have. And God is pretty clear. Blessed is the one who's kind to the needy but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ Jesus, in Christ, God forgave you. Kindness is different than doing nice things. Kindness is that kindness that comes from our soul because the Holy Spirit is indispensable in that. So it goes well beyond good things. 
And we see that in, in community and, and walking alongside with other people and speaking into their lives and having them speak into your life. But we also can see kindness in combination. As you look at this, oftentimes kindness is in a whole list of things. Galatians 5.22, which is the verse that um, is ba- this sermon series is based on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Here it has forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not just being kind. Okay, I'll be kind, but I'm not going to be happy about it. We do that all the time. Yeah, that's not what God's talking about. If, we're kind, if that kind of kindness comes with love, comes with joy, comes with goodness... In Colossians 3, 12 through 13, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Kindness happens in combination. It's really hard to be kind if you can't love somebody. How do you love somebody? I think you step into their life. You allow God to look into your life and say, okay, it's more than just this relationship with me. The result of a relationship with me is this walking alongside and getting to the point where that becomes naturally a fruit of who I am in God because God did some cool things in my life. So we see kindness in, in uh, community. We see kindness in combination. I, also, I just want to finish a little bit with kindness crushers. Because I think there's some things that just kind of crush that. The first thing is, one of the kindness crushers is if we limit our engagement with the world, if we limit our engagement with the needy, if we limit our engagement with cross-cultural stuff, if we limit our engagement with people who are struggling, if we don't make room in our lives to allow some of our neighbor's pain to take up residence there, it can be a kindness crusher. As I said, in America, we oftentimes see our faith as individualistic. It's about me and God and the rest of you and God. You guys are involved in your own. But if we're taking God's blessing for ourselves and not realizing that God blessed us to, yes, to take care of our own family, to take care of what our environment, but also to help and invest in other people, uh, then that's a kindness crusher. As I mentioned, thinking that we've arrived is a kindness crusher. If we've already arrived where we need to be with our relationship with God and we have this heaven thing to look forward to, why do I need to care about you? That's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says care for people that you don't even know. Like love your enemies and stuff. What? Those are kindness crushers. This fall we spent quite a bit of time, Kevin Meyer, our lead pastor, talked about it's not about me. If we're selfish, if it's about me, that's really difficult to be kind to the next person. And if we forget that we regularly benefit and devour God's kindness, we regularly have God's kindness that comes and speaks to us and that we experience, and we forget that and we take that for granted, that can be a huge kindness crusher. Because we don't then act, come from a thing of, come from a place of saying, look at what God has done in my life. Look at the blessings that he has given me. I am God's handiwork, not for my benefit, but for God's benefit. And he showed his kindness through Jesus, and then who sent the Holy Spirit, and that whole thing works together for us to get to a point where we're good neighbors. Because what comes out of us is godly kindness, godly love. And so life living in community gives you the freedom to understand that you are valuable. 
Some of us struggle with that a lot. That we are valuable. And then we can look and say, other people are different than me, so they are valuable as well. And Louis Von Ahn doesn't get to be more valuable because he's smarter than I am. Because the man is clearly smarter than I am. But that's not what God's criteria is. You don't get to be more significant because you have more money than I do. You don't get to be more significant because the da 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 You are significant because you are God's handiwork. And the more I understand that, the more I can understand that in you, the more I can love you and be kind to you. Because you are a child of God. You are an heir of God. And so part of that is that kindness and that has to come out of walking along that path with God. And if we walk along that path with God and with other people, we start to understand how to be kind to people like us, and we start to understand how to be kind to people that aren't like us. Because we have a place in our spirit that gives them the benefit of the doubt, that gives them part of who, who God is, is seen in their heart. And that's really our being an example for Jesus. Because God calls us to love so that people will come and say, there's something weird about that guy. And it's Jesus. And I want some of that. So I'm going to finish with the same verse David King finished with last week because he was right on. When he read 2 Peter 1, if you weren't here, he finished with this. I'm going to finish with the same verse. He said it much better than I can. But it really talks about the fact that we can experience the divine, participate in God's divine nature. So 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given, everything us, given us everything we need. What a powerful statement. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, and this is the verse that David highlighted, you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Do you get the significance of that? We can participate in the divine nature of God. Not only did he send, through kindness, send his son, not only are we God's handiwork, not only do we have a Holy Spirit that regenerates and sanctifies our life, not only do we have promises that are mentioned in this verse, not only have we given, God has given us everything we need, we can experience his divine nature. And if kindness comes from that state of being, that's a really cool thing.